Well, hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of Alika Hope and Change. I'm Alika Hope. And I am her inimitable brother, Change, also known as Emil. Well, I don't know. You said so inimitable, good. so I just felt like bursting into song. That was random. Uh, no, I appreciate that, sis. Anytime I can get uh, the halo effect, especially mm-hmm. aurally, I'm happy with it. Nice. So, Emil. Yes. It's Thursday. How's your week gone so far? Let me tell you how this week has gone. Yeah. So I've been uh, exceptionally busy working on the second edition of my first book. Um, it'll probably be called a technically a reprint. Uh, as okay. I was doing my research, I found out that if you're doing line edits like I'm doing, fixing typos, making some minor changes, that's it's not really a second edition. I'm not going to add any significant work to it. Uh, And I'm not going to subtract anything significantly. So it's been a fun, busy week uh, trying to go through all of the edits that I had over the years from different people who say, hey, you missed this typo. This didn't make sense to me. Just fixing those little things. And um, as I I don't know if I told you, sis, but I'm also building a workbook companion so that when I reissue this, it'll be a package deal. Like start with a sparkle. We'll always have a workbook with it always and i remember i don't know if it was last week or before we talked about how you and i both love workbooks and how i'm a big pusher of workbooks because it allows for a second layer of muscle memory that computers do not and that when you write with your hand it reinforces what you're learning so once again shout out to workbooks all over the world especially i remember those as as a thank you very much alika um (laughs) I remember them as a child, and I think one of the joys of, you know, and I was, you and I were weird kids. We know this. We know we liked school. Like, we actually enjoyed learning. Yes. Um, And, and yes, that makes us nerds, and we own it. Yes. But one of the most uh, joyful things about school was the workbook. It was filling in the blanks. It was, like, solving all the little problems, and you would flip the page, and you would, like, get into, like, that kind of learning still excites me. I still, yes. I still, I've gone through courses where I have a workbook, and I get that really giddy feeling, like, oh, I want to solve this, or I want to work on this, or I want to write this down. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that um, I appeal to at least a subset of people who understand that, uh, because I want that joy of learning, which we kind of lose as we get older, as mm-hmm. learning becomes more about job and more about, you know, yeah. and I want to get back. I want people to get back to being excited to open the workbook. I want them to get excited yes. to want to write things down and doodle in it and sort of make it very much their own. Yes, I agree 100 percent. As a matter of fact, uh, those of you who know me know that we've been my ex-husband and I have been homeschooling our kids their entire life since they were born. And uh, for the past couple of years, we've had them on a very regimented online math program. We do very little online stuff. We do a lot of hands-on stuff. Um, but my younger child, uh, he's been doing an online math program with me overseeing, of course, but because it, it captures data and data is important, you know, and this year we decided to switch back to a workbook and an actual textbook for him. And it's so funny because we started school two weeks ago and he was sitting on the couch and I was like, so how's math? And he says to me, mom, 
I really like doing the workbook. I really like having a textbook. There's something about it. And I was like, wow, that's deep because you're like from the electronic generation, right? right? And so I think, you know, that's like spoken from the mouths of babes. I think we have to find balance between too much of this virtual online learning and also just going back to paper, you know, or even like, I guess back in the way back days, it was like papyrus and, and wood, uh, wood bark, right? There's something to be said for chalkboards and yes. uh, in the modern context, whiteboards. Yep. Um, when I was a sub, I would, there were certain schools that I really liked to go to because they had, um, especially for the math and science classes, they had uh, small uh, slates, mm-hmm. whiteboard slates that they would use and the kids would work out problems on the slate. And what what drove me toward wanting to always go back to those schools was the kids engaged with each other mm-hmm. more when they had the slate. They would like lean over and say, how do you solve this? And someone would take their marker out and work on the slate with them. And then they go over it again until they got it. And like that kind of collaborative learning, it all happens offline because the offline presence allows for that kind of unique sort of lean over and show me. And it's a real quick sort of cipher out of those different things. So that that same school, by the way, every student had their own Chromebook. So you can have both. It's the best of both worlds. It was the best of both worlds. They would use the slate. They would use the Chromebook. And their job was to figure out which was the best way for each child to learn. And they would make sure that they gave plenty of work for both types of learners so that there was never uh, a child who was missed. That was a really innovative school. And I enjoyed uh, subbing there. Um, Not that I enjoyed substitute teaching that much. But when it was good, that was one of the places I enjoyed it. (laughs) <laughs> well, and all three of us have had experience as substitute teachers, Jamie included. In fact, I think a couple of years back, maybe five years back, I actually subbed for Jamie's class. That was fun. Um, so substitute teaching. Yeah. Shout out to shout everybody out. out there. Right, shout Jamie? Out. Like, shout out. Because I was just looking at a posting for a substitute teacher in some school districts near us, Jamie. And they were paying $90. They First of all, they required a bachelor's degree. And they were paying $90 for a day of subbing. And I said to myself... I couldn't even, I had a couple people who were asking me about subbing and I was like, I can't even in good conscience send you this $90 for a full day. 90 I, I just bucks, $90. Yes. And these were like pretty major school districts near us. And I just was just flabbergasted. Um, yeah. So yeah. double that just for the disrespect that, um, right. You know, Subs I was get. a kid. I remember we used to love a sub <laughs> and, and uh, now that I've been one, I like I have apologized metaphysically to every <laughs> substitute teacher I've ever had. I have been in deep meditation and I said, I'm so I can't I will never know their names. I'll never meet them again. But I promise you they have all heard my apology. I will say, though, Emil, you just got me thinking of a song. The, um, What's the song? If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. New York, New York. So this is, you, you see where I'm going with substitute teaching. If you can make it as a substitute teacher, there you can make no it anywhere, right? Um, just like if you can make it in New York, you can make There's it anywhere. There's no right. yeah. job that you couldn't possibly do if you walk out of a substitute teaching gig with yes. your head held high. That is exactly if true. You ha- yes. if, you, if you walk out with your pride <laughs> intact, with That's your right. ego not shattered, That's then right. by all means, you're ready for a, a whatever life can throw at you. 
I was very blessed to be living in New York City at a time when, I think it's still true now, but this was a while back when I was in graduate school at Columbia. I got to be a teacher in New York City schools without being a sub first. And um, I think I would still to this day rather be a New York City school teacher than be a substitute <laughs> teacher in New England or anywhere else. I don't know what that says, but um, yeah. So again, shout out to everybody who's substitute teaching. I don't know, Jamie, you have any thoughts on this? Um, I 100% agree. <laughs> Yay, subs. Please, subs. <laughs> they need to be paid more. Every teacher needs to be paid more. Every subs, teacher. Definitely. To walk in and cold. have to handle. Yeah, to walk in cold and cold. have to handle yes. all of that takes a remarkable human. And it, it takes does. a remarkable human to be a teacher anyway. It so does. it takes an extra, an extra amount of care and understanding from both sides, you know, from students and from teachers. Um, yes. And administration, of course, to, to, to place someone in a position like that, you know. So because kudos to all the people who have done it. You two included. <laughs> and you. Yes. Shout out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's interesting because when you're a teacher, when you're a sub, you also are trying to spread goodness about the world to the future generation. And it got me thinking about all of the news updates, all the things happening in the world in the past. I mean, just really this summer. And there's been a lot of um, sadness. And so I wanted to dedicate this episode to hopeful news updates. And Emil and I did a web scrub of some hopeful news that's happened over the past few months. And we want to share that with you as you listen. So we're going to take you on our journey of hopeful news updates as soon as we come right back. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. I'm gonna roll up into that kingdom, ain't that good news? Okay, so we're back, and we're gonna talk about some hopeful news. Are you ready, Emil? Uh, you know what? What? Let me tell you, Alika. This. Yeah. What you gonna tell me? This show that we're doing today yeah. is very welcome. Multiple reasons Good. why, right? All right. Our show, the one we've done for the past year, yeah. um, we're, we're on episode 54, right? Yes. yes. Right. So 54 times you and I have gotten together and we've been smiling and laughing and having a good time. We've invited our audience to join us. They have, they've responded beautifully. Mm -hmm. If they don't remember, please always reach out to us at alikahope at gmail.com because we love interacting with you. And when we have good news, we share it with you. Please share yes. your good news with us. With us. Yeah. And part of this exchange is that we want to be a voice of not just reason, but lightness and joy, positivity, and good information. Mm -hmm. And it's in that spirit that we've always approached our show. So mm -hmm. this today's show, where we're going to focus on good news from around the world and around the nation and around the community, the focus today is to mm -hmm. make sure that people realize there's a source of good news available to them so they don't have to face the onslaught of the regular news that comes down their pike. Well, that was like well they, said. They have an alternative. They have an alternative. And like I said, we did some web scrubbing just to get this alternative. And so I'm really excited to share this with you. Um, and I think actually the first one I wanted to uh, share with you guys 
is kind of in line with what Emil was saying uh, last week and he said before about just doing one thing each day. And this man in Georgia, his name is Anthony Talley, he found a simple way to spread kindness in his community. So he started something called $1 Thursdays. And he collects donations of $1, that's, that's it, $1 each, and he passes the money along to someone in the city who needs it. So last year alone, he raised nearly $8,000, most of which was given to a man whose house burned down. And right now he's raising money to help buy a car for a mother of 10, a mother of 10, and her car was totaled in an accident. He also has some fun with $1 Thursdays. He once bought ice cream for every elementary school student in his town and in the nearby communities. And his quote was, when I do stuff like this, it's an overwhelming joy. People say, well, what do you plan to get out of this? And I tell them I plan to change the world one life at a time, $1 at a time. Done. Done. So we Done. need to reach out to Anthony Talley as yes, a change maker and see if we can yes. get him on our show. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's see if I we can like reach that. out to him and pull him into our show. Because okay. that attitude absolutely yeah. fits with Alika Hope and Change. You know what, Emil? I'm glad you said that because I didn't even think of that until right now when you said it. I like that. Let's see if we can get Anthony Talley on the show. Yeah, Anthony. Anthony, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the show. Reach out to us at alikahope at gmail.com. If you're not listening, but you know Anthony Talley, let him know. Alika Hope and Change is trying to reach out to him and send him our email, alikahope at gmail.com. Um, I, I, am, loving, I am loving that idea that you can just a dollar, like it's not painful if you say, hey, right. I'm just going to ask for a buck. I'm going to just use my neighborhood, people I know and see every day. If That's everybody right. around would just go to their neighborhood and just be like, hey, every Thursday, every Monday, we're going to go for a quarter or a dollar, just mm -hmm. a little spare change. And, mm -hmm. and we... we you don't have to kill it in one transaction. And I think a lot yes. of us, we get impatient. It's right. not, we don't have to be Jeff Bezos. We don't have to be Elon Musk Ugh. and have billions at our command. I don't want to be either of them. Anyway, go right? ahead. Uh-huh. Yeah. We can, we have a buck. <laughs> we have a quarter. That's right. We can make we some good news. We don't have to kill it with one transaction. We can That's do right. it over time. And the thing is, yes. it's sometimes it's better over time because it gets people into the spirit of thinking about other things. Wait, wait, wait. I got it. If you're lost, you can look and just give a dollar time after time. Uh, okay. I, oh, yes. Oh, so I don't know. That was it. That's I, Go ahead. I am so with Anthony Talley on the incremental change is yes. the best change. The Grand Canyon was not made by an explosion. Nope. It was made by a trickle of water over time. Drip, 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 Just drip. saying. Now, I was, I was you, you, know, me, yeah. you know me, you know me. Uh-oh. You know me in like uh, alternative energy and power. So yeah. uh, I, w I was reading about this young 15-year-old Sri Lankan. Um, I am not going to murder, murder his name, but his yep. last name, Piranha Wan, is just an absolutely inventive young individual. So listen to this. Okay. He's created everything from a coconut picking machine to a coconut scraper, and his yeah. latest construction is a tuk-tuk, which are the three-wheeled vehicles that you see all over like Thailand and Cambodia, Vietnam. Uh, Tuk-tuks are ubiquitous in Southeast Asia and South Asia. Like they're just mm -hmm. literally everywhere. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, tuk-tuk is the sound they make when they go by you. So he made it completely out of scrap metal and used the sun as its power source, solar energy. 
So mm-hmm. he put his time and energy into building the tuk-tuk to help him relieve stress during the pandemic. His grandfather uh, supported him during the eight months it took to make him build it by buying him secondhand frames, handles, wheels, things that he could uh, afford. And now Pirata Juan has decided he's already going to try something bigger with a solar-powered car. So yep. look, a 15-year-old who was, let, let's be real, it doesn't say mm-hmm. that, so let me say it this way. He was bored during the pandemic. <laughs> And rather right, than though. get in trouble, he yep. says, I'm going to try and build something. And his grandfather, wisely seeing that his grandson was willing to put in the work, said, let me facilitate that. Let me make sure. And although they were not of means, they found the parts to build this unique vehicle. And I want to say that um, we got both of these particular stories from The Week magazine and once a week they have this section called um, this week's good news. And so if you're looking for good news, I would totally subscribe to that because it's just a list of various good news. And I like it because it's from all over the world. So both of these stories came from that. Now I'm, I got to give you guys one from the U S uh, which impressed me. So uh, I think this actually was a few months ago that this happened initially, but they're still doing it. The Denver police are now handing out gift cards to people with broken headlights in order for them to get the headlights fixed instead of always giving out tickets. And I thought this was a beautiful example of when police and communities can work together. And so Advance Auto Parts gave the Denver police 100 different $25 gift cards. And so what the Denver police did is when they pull a motorist over for say a bad headlight or a detect, uh, excuse me, for a bad headlight or a defective taillight, they have the option to give a $25 gift card to help the motorist get it fixed. So as opposed to pulling a motorist over, and oftentimes when people have broken and unfixed taillights or headlights, it's an expense issue. Very often, because I've seen that and I've heard that from friends, like, yeah, you think it'd just be 20 bucks, no big deal, but for some people, that's a lot of money. And so not only does it allow the police officers to support that person, it also helps to keep the roads safer. And the Denver police chief, Paul Pazin, says that officers have already issued the cards and the officers are enjoying the smiles it puts on drivers' faces. I thought that was a beautiful story from Denver, Colorado. It needs to happen more. It needs to happen frequently where if the objective, if the mission of the police is to protect and serve the community, this is an opportunity for them to... um, Now, let's be real. Some people, they don't want help. They just want to be contrarian. Those people get the ticket, but there yeah. are people who are like very thankful <laughs> uh-huh. that they have an opportunity because they know, you know, my headlight was up. Maybe they didn't realize their headlight was out until they, they were told. And then they're like, oh, I'll take care of it. And then to your point, there are people who are struggling every day and their car is like the last thing before they, um, they end up homeless. Yep. So right. if they end up with a ticket, that might be the difference between them not making their rent or having a, an arrest warrant. So rather yeah. than getting a ticket, they get a $25 gift card to get their car fixed. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference between a community that has one fewer homeless family that's than right. a and a burden on its resources than someone who's trying to maintain productivity, trying to maintain their family, trying to maintain their, um, their health in, in the society. So to me, having a thoughtful program like this where the police using their discretion can see that it's it's in the community's interest to give this gift card and take care of someone who needs this car especially when they're on the brink of 
homelessness, right. which a lot of people are quietly, by the way, people, yep. you know, shout out to the people who are making ends meet, but just barely so, right. um, you know, over half our nation can't afford a $500 emergency. That's right. right? And uh, we'll so be right back just after this life. break. You know, we got to take a break. You're getting oh, yeah. We got to take a break and we'll be right back with a couple more stories. I had to cut my brother off because he was going to that place, but he can continue. We come back. Be right back. <laughs> yeah. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. So we're back. And email, I just wanted you to, to conclude your thought or, or go into your thought a little bit more about how many people can't afford you know, just a $500 emergency and the fact that there's a lot of people in silence and homelessness. And so how this a program like this, you were saying, really can help out people and we don't even know sometimes who they are right it, well see that's the part that i think um allows us to see the, hopefully see this you know uh this kind of thinking uh, expand across the nation when when you have people who interact with the community the way the police do they have a lot more detail they understand who's struggling and who's not and when they have mm-hmm. access to businesses who are who are willing to and let's be you know let's be honest we're both um entrepreneurs, uh, all three of us are. So when we're being philanthropic, when we're being generous, we're also expecting that it helps our business. I don't have Mm -hmm. a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a business um, helping the community with the expectation that it will generate more business. In fact, I think as a responsible uh, company, you should mm-hmm. want to interact with your community and give back to the community and the community will then be a loyal customer to you. I think that's a wonderful exchange. And if it helps police do their jobs better and it helps protect and serve our community better, then it's a win all around. The businesses win, the individual wins, the police win. Because a, a, a society that's easier to police makes the police's job that much easier. So, you know, um, leave the police for really dangerous things that um, we can't work on and let them, when they're doing things like traffic enforcement and they can see the opportunity to help, why not? It only makes it better for all of us. All right. So do you want another good story that you want to share with us? It's your turn. Oh, man, I do. So, you know, this is me being now this is the Oregon boy in me, Uh you know, and it'll it'll appeal to you, obviously. (laughs) But there's there's a guy in there's a guy in um, in Florida who's been installing artificial reefs in the waters around Florida's coast. Um, Garrett Stewart installs Mm -hmm. uh, these artificial mini reefs that clean millions of gallons of water every year and give marine life a place to call home. He's a scientist and educator. Uh, his nickname has become Captain Planet because of this, right? So it's, <laughs> it's, I love this, right? Every yeah. single day, one of his um, mini reefs helps filter about 30,000 gallons of water. And it, and it helps uh, house about 300 fish and 200 crab every year. So wow. he's out here, one guy. One guy is helping, uh, one you know, guy. help solve things like red tide and uh, helping clean the environment. And what I love about this story is he's like, I know it's an ocean and I know I'm one person, but mm-hmm. okay, I'll start. That's it. I'll start. One step. One step for hope. One step for good of hope kind. Hopeful news. <laughs> I'm glad you caught that one. <laughs> I was like thinking, how can I make this different than mankind? Hmm. 
Oh boy. Oh boy, y'all. It's been a long one step for hope I gotta give you and yeah. one giant leap for hope. For kind. hope kind. Thank you, my fellow nerd, for correcting me. And my space, my 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 space lover here, my big brother, the space lover. I appreciate that because I couldn't remember the quote, but I like the way that you just said it. And I want to give you one that inspired me because unlike my big brother, who is very good at following the working out, as he talked about before, because it helps him to eat more. Sometimes I drop the ball. And when I read this story on CBS News, I was like, okay, Alika, you have no excuses. So the caption was, the title was, 81-year-old completes her second Tough Mudder race. Here is an excerpt from the article. Mildred Wilson competed in a Tough Mudder in Missouri this year with someone motivating her along the way, her late husband, Farrell. The Missouri resident had done a Tough Mudder in her home state in 2019 when Farrell was still alive. But in 2020, Farrell caught COVID-19 and died from a heart attack while battling the virus. Now, on average, it takes one to one and a half hours to complete a 5K Tough Mudder course. Now, remember, Wilson is 81 years old. She competed with her son and some friends and says it took her two to three hours to complete the course. Now, shout out to you, Mildred, because you're 81. It took you two to three hours. I think it would take me like five to six hours. Anyway, so her son was by her side the whole time. Still, one part of the course, which has 10 different muddy obstacles, including, remember, she's 81, crawling under barbed wire, intimidated her. I was intimidated by that vertical wall, she said. I wanted to do it, and with help, I got over that wall. It wasn't easy, but it took a whole village to get over the wall. The octogenarian says she's always been active and played sports with her son when he was growing up. When companies in their small city would compete against each other in corporate sports tournaments, she always signed up playing for her employer's volleyball, softball, tug-of-war, and tennis team. Wilson said she's never minded getting dirty, and she hopes her story inspires others to try new things no matter her age. And here's her quote. It's okay to try and not be able to do all that you want to do. Just do the part of it that you can. Whatever you're doing, Wilson said, just give it a try. Mildred Wilson, 81 years old, doing your second Tough Mudder, especially in honor of your husband. This one's for you. That was fire. Straight up. That fire. was fire. fire. Capital F, capital I, capital R, capital E. Fire. fire. 82, 81 years old. 81 years old, yes. Taking on the tough mutter, honoring her late husband, and keeping it real. She's like, I can't do everything, but I can yes. try. Yeah. yeah. How, I don't, I just, I how don't hard know. is it to just try? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she saw some of those obstacles. I've seen the, t- I've not done a tough mutter, but I've yeah. seen the obstacles. They are intimidating. They are, and you were in the military for 20 years. So if you say they're intimidating, I don't, I mean, come on. I've got buddies who do those things and they love them. They eat them up and they, they, they are beat up and they're, but they're smiling and they're happy. But for someone to do it at 81 and say, you know what? I know I can't do everything, but I'm going to try. And then she said something that just blew me away. She's like, yeah, it took a village to get over that wall. To get me over that wall, yes. Now, in your in your basic training for the military, don't you? Or just what I see in the movies that people have to get over those vertical walls. Is that still the case? Like, is that what they have to do for real? Um, that's more army than air force, but yes. Oh, okay. um, and we all okay. what we end up doing is we end up every service has a a vertical challenge because they need every service member to at least acknowledge they have the fear, if not overcome it. 
So every uh, service has some form of vertical challenge. Uh, some okay. of them are individual. Some of them are teams. Some of them are with equipment. Some of them is just the, the, the group doing it. Mm-hmm, but every mm-hmm. service does because every service wants you to know, at the very least know, this thing, yep. and it scares me. Um, I actually um, took my team uh, when I was at Dias Air Force Base and right outside of, shout out Abilene, Texas, one of the friendliest <laughs> communities to military of all time. Yeah. Um, and I went to the Abilene Police Department's obstacle course and I took my entire squadron, 150 of us out to the wow. to their obstacle course. It was yeah. intimidating. There were people who were deathly afraid of heights. But you know wow. what was, it was so inspiring. Even today, I, I remember as I get goosebumps, they worked together to overcome every obstacle and every single team that I built from the squadron wow. attempted every obstacle. And there were people who were crying about mm-hmm. having to go 30 feet up to cross an obstacle, but their teammates would not let them fail. So it was, awesome. it was the most beautiful thing to see people just like with Mildred who had worked together to overcome what was very intimidating was very fearful. So shout out to Mildred for showing us that even at 81, you're not locked into your old habits, your old patterns. You can try something That's brand right. new. You can get muddy and smile about it. And we want to thank you all for enjoying with us our hopeful news today. This has been your hopeful news update. Where's that? Remember that? Okay. So I want to end with a little joke here. And this is my hope. Um, but anyway, so... Amy, I want to tell you a story real quick, okay? Please so do. So I've started to invest in stocks. In particular, I've started to invest in beef, chicken, and vegetable stock because one day I hope to be a bullionaire. Oh, gosh. Oh, that hurt. That was ding, right there. Ding, I mean, ding, ding. that was like that was like the yes. Charlie horse I didn't know I Took wanted. Took a second. Yes. All right. So <laughs> go out there. I know. Drink your bullion. Drink your broth. Have a great day. And we will talk to you next week. This is Alika Hope and her change brother. Emil always here because I love my sister and I love my all this beautiful audience. Y'all have a <laughs> lovely week. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Bye now. <laughs>